0: Welcome to the Consulting Pipeline podcast. I got a really interesting question from Jens about building a resource center and making it coexist with a book. I'll just read the question and then offer some thoughts on it. So Jens asks, how would you go about building a resource center around a topic like SQL for Rails developers, when your only product is an ebook about that same topic. I love the idea of a resource or education center. I started one yesterday. However, I struggle a bit as I notice that I already cover many topics in my ebooks, meaning many topics that would be in the resource center are also covered in Jen's ebook. But the resource center should contain. More of the book's content to be valuable. On the other side, when I do that, I fear that the ebook will lose value for the customer. How would you approach this situation? So that's Jen's question, and I have thoughts on that. I've seen several models out there for various approaches to this. There's one model I've seen Blair Ends use. I don't think you'll see this on his current website because it's been reworked a bit. But for a long time, you could go to winwithoutpitching.com, that's Blair's website, and he has a book called Win Without, or sorry, the, the book's title is The Win Without Pitching Manifesto. And that book was available as a series of pages on his website for free, your only cost was the time that it would take you to read it. And, uh, you know, presumably a computer, phone, internet connection, that kind of thing. But anyway, your only cost, there he didn't charge you any money to access the entire book. It was available online. And it was also available as a print book and a Kindle book. And those two formats for the exact same content had a price tag associated with them. The print book, I think, naturally was the most expensive version, and the Kindle book was the least expensive version. I don't remember the exact prices. It's been a while. And again, since then, this seems to have changed. But that's a model that you can use where the book is essentially the resource center, the educational resource center. By the way, let me just pause for a moment and talk about an educational resource center. Blogging is when you post things on a blog. There's a timestamp. There might be the ability to have uh, people comment on that content. And it's a sort of time sequenced way, an index of content. A time sequenced index of content. A resource center is where you take a slightly different approach. Your goal is to demonstrate expertise. And you're going to do so by publishing a series of articles that are related to some topic. And this can be a nice alternative to blogging because it looks a lot more like a project than an ongoing task that you have to do every week or month or day or whatever it is. I, of course, am a big fan of high-frequency publication, but I think there's a time and a place for that. And there's also a time and a place for a different approach. Which looks like this educational resource center. So, with Blair's approach to the win without pitching manifesto, at least uh, a couple years ago, it was the resource center, and you could pay essentially to get access to the resource center in a version that would be easy to consume on a on an ebook reader, and a version that would be easy to carry around with you and read uh, without having a computer screen in front of your place, otherwise known as a print edition of that book. So that's one model. Here's the next model, and I'll give an example of this, but let me uh, sort of characterize it first. So in this model, you're providing on your resource center, or perhaps in an email list, tips that are free. These tips are smaller in scope and they may not have much to do with each other other than being about the same topic and what you get when you pay for the ebook is you get pedagogy you get systematic teaching instead of getting a sort of random association of helpful information and so the information the free tips the stuff you would publish in your resource center it's helpful it's not that it has no value, but it does not have that extra layer of value that's in the ebook, which is pedagogy, meaning you're trying to structure the information in a way that maximizes the usefulness of it from a teaching perspective, or from the perspective of helping people apply the information, or from the perspective of helping them change into a better version of themselves because they've paid for the ebook. That's another model. The example of that model that I have in mind is my friend Dave Hefner. He has a website. I'll try to remember to link to this in the show notes, ElementalSelenium.com. So Dave is an expert on the Selenium test framework, and he wrote a book about how to learn to use Selenium. And so if you buy Dave's book, I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but again, the the website is element uh, I think it's the Selenium guidebook now that I think about it. Anyway, there's a, a website for that book. There's a separate website, Elemental Selenium and that I'll explain that in a moment. So when you buy the book from Dave, you're essentially um, getting information that may be similar to freely available information, but it has this layer. I know uh, from talking to Dave that he was very intentional when he was writing the book about trying to organize the information in a way that maximized the ease of learning selenium. So he had a, you know, a real pedagogy in mind. In other words, a real intentional way of approaching the teaching aspect of this book. And that's largely not the only, I mean, the value is not limited just to that, but that's a large part of the value of the book. And so if he presented some of the same technical information on his free email list or the site where you can see those emails, I don't think it diminishes the value of the book because a large part of the value of the book is that all this information is in one place and it's structured in a certain way that contributes to uh, teaching. So if you go to ElementalSelenium.com, what you'll see is a very nice simple homepage that encourages you to opt into an email list. If you scroll to the bottom of that page, what you will see is a uh, link that says something like archive. And if you click that link, this is sort of endlessly amusing to me. (laughs) If you click that link, you'll go to an index that is sort of like a blog index, but actually what's there are the content of all the emails you would receive if you signed up to the email list. So the email list is, I don't know, 60 or 70 tips on using Selenium, and they're dripped out once a week. And so that, for some people, is going to be the preferred way of consuming this information. They'll prefer it because it's um, there's a sort of passive Uh, distribution model. It just shows up in their their inbox once a week. And they'll prefer it because they won't feel like they're drinking from a fire hose, but instead they'll they'll feel like they're getting a little bite-sized piece of information that is relevant to their interests once a week. This is a really nice model. And so the tips are free. But again, it's kind of funny to me because you can sign up for the email list. That's the preferred action because That um, gives Dave some permission to market to the people who are on his list. But if you click down to the archive, you can get all that information in more of a uh, firehose format, where you can just consume as much of it as you would like, as as rapidly as you would like. And there you go. Now, if you take that same uh, approach and you remove the archive, two things happen. One is you have a sort of different model, and two, you lose out on a bunch of uh, <laughs> potential long-tail SEO traffic. And uh, you know, Dave has told me he gets a, you know, a nice amount of long-tail SEO traffic from that archive because it's right there. Google can index it. And so Google sends them a ton of traffic, which is nice. But another model that could work, and I've seen this other model used, Uh, I'm not thinking of any examples right now, but I know I've seen it used. Is you've got an opt in page for an email list, and once a week, something like that. If you join the email list, you get a free piece of information, but your access to that information is rate limited, meaning you're not going to get it any faster than once a week because that's how often it gets sent out to the email list. In those emails, is a little, we can think of it as a little uh, advertisement that says, hey, if you like this information, if you find it useful, there's lots more where that came from, and it's in this book. And so with this model, the free information is rate-limited, so it drips out at a relatively slow rate, and then if someone wants to upgrade to an essentially unlimited way of accessing all of that information in one place, they can buy the book. And so what they're paying for is a different speed of accessing the information. So let me recap so far. We've got three models, and there's a fourth. The first is the information is free. You're paying for convenience. It's all there in the Resource Center, but you can pay for an ebook version or a physical book version of it. And essentially what you're paying for is convenience. The second is the information is free, but you pay for a layer of pedagogy that maybe helps you be more successful at using or understanding the information. The third model is the information is still free, but you're paying for faster access to it. And the final model is think about the fact uh, that as you're looking at all of these models, there are successful examples of all of them, What's striking to me is the lack of some single unifying principle. In other words, there's no one, one right way to do this. Lots of things can work. What's important, as always, is execution. So the last model could be it sort of doesn't matter. <laughs> and what you're doing is by providing some, uh, an opportunity for people to pay for information that is not much different than what's available for free. Is you are segmenting the world of people out there into really good customers and possibly not super great customers. Because those not super great people, you know, if you talk to people who've been in uh, business where there's some kind of information product element, over and over again, you'll hear that people who are price sensitive are often the most demanding customers. I'm not interested right now in speculating why that is. I'll just say it's one of the mysteries of the universe, (laughs) but um, it seems to be true or it seems to be a consistent pattern. And so one way you could look at this is, yeah, it just sort of doesn't matter a lot. Be generous. And when you put a price on information that you're selling, know that that is a way of sort of separating the, uh, I don't know, the wheat from the chaff. The, the better customers from the not-so-great customers. So this is less of a, a model to follow and more just of a, an observation that maybe the, you know, the consequences of one model versus another are not as high as you think. Now, certainly at the high end of uh, the information product market where you're doing a lot of volume or you're dealing with high-priced stuff, sure, it might matter there. But that's not really the world that most people who are publishing their first uh, ebook, or rather self publishing their first ebook, that's not the world that most of us occupy. In other words, I think we can make a lot of mistakes and it doesn't really make a huge difference. Now, as I think about these models, I can't help but observe that the way I've been talking about them is website, resource center and paid product, and I have not mentioned, well, I haven't mentioned much, the thing that feels like this critical glue that glues these all together into a system, and that is some sort form of email marketing. So you can certainly uh, set up a website, and there's a page that describes a book that you can pay for, and there's also a page that has uh, an educational resource center on it, and that could be the end of it. But I think if you'll glue those together with email marketing and do that in a, a really sort of intentional, well-thought-out way, that makes everything work better. That seems like the subject of a of another one of these audio essays and not really something I want to tack on at the end here. But that's that's important. So just very quickly to recap, one of the models is... Everything's free. You're paying for a more convenient packaging. Another is things are mostly free, but you're paying for a layer of pedagogy that helps with the learning or helps with the application of the information. Another model is you're paying, the information's free, but it's sort of rate-limited, and you're paying for unlimited full-speed access to it. And another model is it just doesn't matter that much because the uh, less desirable customers are going to gravitate towards free versions of the information, the more desirable customers are going to gravitate towards a paid version. So all of these can work, um, and I I really hope this helps answer your question, Jens. Thanks for for sending it over. If you, dear listener, have a question, just email me, philip at philipmorganconsulting.com, just one L in both of those instances of philip. And I'd be glad to answer it here on air. See you next time.